Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Hey, welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also subscribe to Snazzy Stories on iTunes, Spotify, many podcast apps, or go to snazzystories.com and leave an awesome review. Immigration has always been a subject that has caused contention in the United States. For many immigrants coming from many different countries, they experienced prejudice and violence in their lives when they came to America. Chinese railroad and mine workers experienced racism and violence at every turn when they arrived in America during the gold rush in California in 1849. However, railroad companies were in need of workers, and they were happy to hire immigrants who would work in difficult conditions for meager wages. Chinese immigrants were used to complete the transcontinental railroad. Of those 12,000 Chinese railroad workers, 1,200 died on the job. After the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad, that meant that thousands were out of jobs. But the Chinese immigrants found work in the coal mines in the Western Territories, including Wyoming. Since the trains ran on the heat of coal, coal mines were important to the railroad industry. Thus, again, they wanted to hire immigrants who would work for less wages. The Chinese were the perfect group to hire because many Chinese immigrants came to the United States without their families. Therefore, the Chinese men were willing to stay in housing of eight or nine of them together, which cut down on their housing costs, leading to their small wages being acceptable to them. The reason Chinese immigrant men came to the United States without their families was that their plan was not to stay in America. They wanted to work in the United States and bring back their hard-earned money to their families in China to live in China better than they did before. They could earn 10 times in the United States what they could in China. These immigrants called themselves sojourners because their plan was to never stay in the United States. In the 1870s, violence broke out between Chinese immigrants and whites in California, Arizona, and Nevada. And in 1882, Congress began to limit the immigrants coming from China but the law was full of loopholes, and the immigration question was still confusing and did not fully answer the immigration question to Americans. Therefore, the Chinese continued to come to America with hopes of making money to take back with them to their homeland. As was mentioned before, coal was important to the railroad industry, and one particular location in southern Wyoming, where the railroad route passed through, was where the Union Pacific coal mines were located. This location of Rock Springs, Wyoming is where violence between Chinese miners and white miners came to a head, leaving 28 Chinese dead, 15 wounded, and they drove hundreds out of the town, with their homes and businesses burned to the ground. The Union Pacific owned mines in the Wyoming Territory, and they saved money by cutting miners' wages. They also required all of their workers and their families to shop at the company stores for their food, clothing, and tools. These stores kept their prices high to gain a higher profit. The mine workers went on strike because of their low wages and about the shopping requirements. 
1871, after one of the strikes, the company fired the strikers and hired Scandinavian miners who were willing to work for less. After another strike in 1875, this triggered another round of firing many miners. This time, more immigrant workers were brought in as strike breakers. These workers were willing to work for meager wages. They were the Chinese immigrants. Both strikes in 1871 and 1875 failed after federal troops were brought in to crush the strike. After the strike of 1875 at the Rock Springs Mines employed 150 Chinese workers and 50 white workers. By 1885, there were 600 Chinese miners and 300 white miners working in the Rock Springs Mine. The white miners were also immigrants from Ireland, Scandinavia, Britain, and Wales. The white miners and the Chinese miners lived in different parts of Rock Springs, so they didn't have to associate with each other outside of the mines. The Chinese lived in what was termed as Chinatown on the northeast side, while the white miners lived in downtown Rock Springs. There were some Chinese immigrants who did not work in the mines, but they had businesses in Rock Springs. These businesses consisted of noodle shops, herb stores, laundries, and social clubs. Even though all the workers, no matter their ethnic background, worked together in the mines, they lived very different lives outside of work. They spoke different languages and had zero intention of getting to know one another. This made it easier to dislike each other, which would ultimately lead to violence breaking out within the mining company. The Chinese immigrants were willing to work for low wages, which the mining bosses were happy about, but the white miners were very unhappy with their situation. One particular union that was gaining traction in the United States was the Knights of Labor Union, and many miners in the Rock Springs area began to join. The white laborers asked the Chinese laborers to join their cause for higher wages and to join them in a strike if their bosses refused their demand. But the Chinese workers did not want to join the cause. Another strike was held in 1884 about low pay, and those who managed the mine were instructed to hire only Chinese immigrants, obviously because they were willing to work for lower pay. Tensions began to run higher in 1885 when the threats and violence began to break out in other parts of the Wyoming Territory. The Chinese were threatened and given warnings to leave the territory. The threats were given in person, and warning posters began to pop up in the railroad towns. However, company officials ignored all the threats, because firing their Chinese workers would, first, mean that they lost to the unions, and second, they would lose some of their profits by raising the wages. All of the threats and violence throughout the Wyoming Territory finally reached Rock Springs on September 2, 1885. A fight between white and Chinese miners broke out at the number six mine. The white miners went after a Chinese miner with a pick. The miner was fatally wounded because of multiple blows to his skull. Another Chinese worker was beaten very badly. Eventually, the foreman of the mine came and put a stop to the violence. However, this event was far from over. The white miners did not go back to work or home to stay there. Instead, they went home and grabbed their guns, hatchets, clubs, and knives. They met up at the railroad tracks near the number six mine, where the initial violence occurred. Most of the workers made their way to the Knights of Labor meeting hall, then moved on to the town saloons. Many other miners met there as well. 
A mob was forming, and the Chinese workers were unaware their lives were in danger. Because it was a Chinese holiday in Chinatown, a lot of the Chinese miners stayed home from work that day. What became 100 to 150 angry armed white men, mostly miners and railroad workers, met up once again near the number six mine. However, women and children did join the mob too. By 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the mob decided to divide their numbers, moving in on Chinatown from different directions in order to surround the town. As the mob converged on Chinatown in three different directions, some mob members went to the number three mine. They shot and killed many Chinese workers. As the other mob members moved in on Chinatown, Chinese men were pulled from their homes and shot. Any Chinese man running in the street was shot as well. Most Chinese tried to run from the mob along the train tracks and up into the hills. Some ran into the mob trying to fight, and they were stopped in their tracks and murdered. White women were also among the murderers. The mob looted Chinatown houses and set them on fire. Again, some Chinese were driven out of their homes by the fires and then killed on the streets, while others didn't make it out of their homes and burned to death in the cellars. Many Chinese who had fled the treacherous scene and made it into the hills died that night from the cold and from their wounds. An eyewitness account said, quote, The dead bodies of some were carried to the burning buildings and thrown into the flames. Some of the Chinese who had hid themselves in the houses were killed and their bodies burned. Some, who on account of sickness could not run, were burned alive in the houses. Unquote. By the next day, September 3rd, 500 Chinese immigrants had been displaced from Rock Springs, Wyoming. After the mob had driven out and killed the Chinese workers from Rock Springs, they confronted the company bosses. And because they were the ones who had hired the Chinese immigrants, they were threatened and were told to leave on the next train out of town. The bosses did not waste any time. They got out of Rock Springs before they were the next on the mob's hit list. News broke out of the killing spree, and 14 miles away in the town of Green River, a county sheriff hustled off to Rock Springs, but with not much backup because no one would join him. He had heard about the event an hour after it started and could not get there in time to stop it. All he could do with a few other men when he arrived was try to protect some of the company buildings from being set on fire. The news of the killings brought Francis E. Warren, who was the territorial governor of Wyoming at the time, and the Union Pacific officials to Rock Springs. By September 3rd, they had all made it to the location of the tragedy. Governor Warren sent a telegram to the American president, Grover Cleveland, requesting federal troops to help with the out-of-control situation. And Warren also asked the Union Pacific to send a train slowly along the tracks between Rock Springs and the town of Green River in order to find any Chinese miners. He requested they be taken on board and given food, water, and blankets. While the stranded miners were being given basic needs, the governor ended up meeting with the white miners who had formed the mob. The demands of the white miners was clear. They demanded that people from China would never be allowed in Rock Springs ever again. They demanded that not one person would be arrested for the burning of property or the murders. After they stated these demands, they continued with a threat that anyone who did not agree to their demands was at risk for being hurt or killed. 
Other towns in the Wyoming Territory with a Chinese population began to get worried. Mobs began popping up in these towns, too. The governor left Rock Springs and headed towards the town of Evanston to work on the mob issues there. Twenty men had been deputized by the local sheriff to keep order. On September 5th, a small group from the troops that the American government had sent moved into Rock Springs to help. Meanwhile, in the town of Almy, a group of white miners warned the Chinese miners not to go back to work or they would never leave the mines alive. These Chinese workers were taken by troops from their camp at Almy to the Chinatown in Evanston for their safety. And as soon as the Chinese were gone, the white miners looted their homes. Because of all the violence towards the Chinese miners, they were more than ready to leave the Wyoming Territory. A Chinese leader of Rock Springs, Ah Se, requested railroad tickets for his people. The company officials denied his request. Then Ah Se asked for two months of back pay the company had owed his people. However, the company refused to pay them. The white citizens of Wyoming wanted the Chinese to leave Wyoming so badly that they put together a petition and handed it to the governor asking that the Chinese be paid their back pay so that they would have enough money to leave the territory. However, Governor Warren refused to give the petition any merit, stating that this was a matter between the employer and his employees. He would not be involved. More federal troops arrived to help protect the Chinese workers in Rock Springs, and since the governor refused to get involved, the company took their next steps. On September 9th, the coal company gathered together 600 Chinese immigrants that were in Evanston, and under armed guards, they headed for the train station. Officials told the Chinese that they were going to take a train to San Francisco, and they would find safety in California. After they were loaded into the boxcars and the train slowly started towards its destination with 250 soldiers on board as well, it became apparent that the train was headed east, not west. The train arrived in Rock Springs by evening. The train did not stop at the depot because a crowd of livid white miners were there to greet them. Therefore, the train went a bit further and came to a stop just west of where the burned Chinatown had once been. The boxcar doors opened and the Chinese were right back in the middle of where the violence had started, and the aftermath was staring them in the face. Some bodies had been buried by the coal company, but many, possibly two dozen, were still lying mangled in the streets. Later, a Chinese diplomat was told by the Chinese miners that the bodies, quote, were being eaten by dogs and hogs, unquote. The coal company that was owned by the Pacific Railroad was determined to get the mines going again, and they would be functioning with the lower-paid Chinese workers. After all, they had already lost a week without workers in the mines, and that was a lost profit. The Chinese were told to bury their dead and get back to work. For now, until the new homes could be built, they would live in the boxcars on the trains. Again, white miners refused to allow the Chinese workers to get into the mines. And again, the Chinese people asked for passes to get to California. However, their request was refused. And then again, they asked for their back pay, but alas, denied again. The company also went as far as refusing to sell food or anything else at the company store to any Chinese who was not working and also threatened to kick them out of the boxcar homes in which they were currently residing. 
60 Chinese workers refused to attempt to work anymore in the mines and tried to leave Rock Springs by any means. Finally, the company threatened that any worker, white or Chinese, that was not at work Monday morning, September 21st, would be fired and never again hired anywhere on the Union Pacific lines. After such a threat, the miners, white and Chinese, returned to work. In 1885, Alec Guinness wrote a piece for the Rock Springs Independent, the local newspaper, and it gives a sense of the animosity that was felt by the white community with the Chinese being brought back to Rock Springs. He states, quote, The action of the company in bringing back the Chinese means that they are to be set to work in the mines and that American soldiers are to prevent them from again being driven out. It means that all the white miners in Rock Springs, except those absolutely required, are to be replaced by Chinese labor. It means that the company intends to make a Chinatown out of Rock Springs. It means that Rock Springs is killed, as far as white men are concerned, if such program is carried out. Unquote. For the violence done by the white miners in Rock Springs, 16 were arrested but they were released on bail. Even though the mob did their killing in front of people, no one would swear to having seen any crimes committed. Therefore, no charges were filed. There would be no justice in Rock Springs for the 28 Chinese killed, 15 wounded, and the 79 shacks and houses that were looted and burned. For the next 13 years, federal troops stayed in Wyoming to prevent any more violence. But as time passed, the Chinese people began to leave Wyoming. Chinese diplomats in New York and San Francisco were enraged by the events in Wyoming and listed damages of $150,000. The President of the United States put pressure on Congress to address the damages. Finally, they agreed to reimburse the miners for their losses. The Union Pacific also fired 45 of the white miners for their involvement in the violence at Rock Springs, but legally, nothing was done. All of this violence simply because the mining and railroad industry did not want to give in to higher wages and the unwillingness and mistrust of people because of their race added to the violence. Events like this do not deserve to be concealed in history as a part of history that we don't want to see. We need to bring these stories to the light to be seen for the darkness that they are so that we can be better humans moving forward. We need to be better humans for the sake of our society's future. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come again where everyone has a story.